Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? I had my first porterhouse experience ever that I'll talk about later. Ever. Is this in relation to you trying out a new local butcher shop? Yes, it is. Okay. It's an Can't e- wait. E- exact relation to that. We'll get into that later. Um, I, I guess I can say I was celebrating Texas Tech, you know, getting those first two wins in the Big 12 tournament and cementing their spot <laughs> off the bubble, you, through you the were, bubble. You were just ready to get it started, man. Yeah, I don't know. Celebrate. They could have something to do with it. it maybe not. We'll talk about it at the end, though. Yeah. So, obviously, Texas Tech is in a regional seventh straight. Going to Gainesville, Florida to take on the number national, number two national seed, Florida Gators. UConn is a two seed. Texas Tech at three. Florida A&M at four. We'll have a full statistical preview. Tell you why you shouldn't be worried about this weekend. Oh, all right. I didn't know. I didn't know that was the, the no, consensus. I, I, but I'm ready. Not, not a consensus. Oh, okay. uh, you got your work cut out for you for sure. But I'll tell you where there's some some opportunity there for Texas Tech to make some make some noise there. Michael's got some some notes for you on how each team has entered into this regional. Talk about the momentum. Um. So we're going to preview the the baseball tournament. Get you going from there. We'll uh, get you the schedule. Although we only know of the proposed schedule because of weather, but game one is 11 a.m. Central scheduled. Mm-hmm. The rest of the weekend is uh, TBD with the rain out there in Florida. Um, speaking of times, game times, Michael, we're going to talk about some football game times. Five games have already been set for TV broadcasts. We'll get those to you. You've already already seen them, but we'll talk about those in a little bit. And then we'll wrap up with what we learned. Short and simple tonight, right? Yeah, I'm sure we'll be done in 35 minutes. Record time. Um, If you want to follow us, follow the fun online, on social, on Twitter. Let's be specific. At 23 Personnel. You can follow me, Spencer, at Punts Suck. 
Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Make sure you are following the uh, Twitter account because there is a very important Podpole logo tournament ongoing as we speak. Uh, the next round will open up Thursday morning. Uh, I'm not sure how this happened, but we garnered the number six seed overall. Go us. We avoided the play-in tournament, play-in round, which as I was going through today, it looked like a lot of locked on guys. It's like, that makes sense. (laughs) All their logos are the same. Um, Unfortunately, though, we are going up against our, uh, our brethren within the armchair slash sports drink podcast network, Guys in Ties a Syracuse-based podcast. Uh, they are the 59th seed. So if you're going off seeding, we should have a significant leg up. But we need Tech tw- Twitter to do what Tech Twitter does, and we need to just show up to vote. So check that out. Um, Podpole logo. We've also, this is the same group that we are doing the the Podpole. So the Podpole is the uh, college football top 25 as voted on by podcasters. We did a preseason list. This is from that same group, but we're going through some off-season stuff with them and ranking our logos. So there's some good ones out there. I think ours is pretty good. Got a hat tip. Thanks to Brian Don Carlos for our wonderful logo art. But we are taking we're on still, guys and ties. Well, do um, we, we, we still owe him a commission. Is that correct? Yeah, we need to bring him back on. He was on uh, several years ago. We talked about chicken tendies. We need to bring him back on. He was um, about dips. Dips. He has That's since what then. We remember. Yeah. Well, no. Since then, he's come out with the uh, the. Oh, I'm, I'm blank on the name, but a specialty cocktail menu that he's got for you. You can find that over on Steak in the Plains, the Tiki, or maybe that's just a, a specific drink. Anyways. No, um, they're, they're Tiki drinks. Tiki yeah. Tech, maybe. Or Tech, t- ah, man, I forgot what he called it. But he's, yeah, he's, the Sunny Rumby is my personal favorite. Yeah, and that was, um, that was something that even uh, Kyle Jacobson was talking about on one of their la- latest episodes. He was, enjoying a sunny rumby yeah pineapple pineapple influenced rum cocktail delicious i mean it sounds fantastic rum sorry not rum pineapple pineapple's great i love pineapple you know i i bought some grapefruit juice recently to experience experience experiment my hand at trying to make a paloma which makes success i i think i'm just I think I've given up. I've tried all sorts of different recipes and combos. I, I think it's me because I order them places and I enjoy them. But long story short, man, uh, grapefruit juice, pretty good. Just good on its own. Uh, uh, I'll disagree with you on Ruby that Ruby red, Texas, <laughs> Texas grapefruit juice, that stuff from HEB. It's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. They're called uh, Tiki Tech. So over on Steak in the Plains, you can search Tiki Tech or Sunny Rumby. Um, if you want to look, so th- this one came from, so Brian posted this December 30th, 2020. Uh, it's been tried and tested, but 
quick uh, quick rundown of, of the of the the mix here. Three ounces of your light rum of choice, ounce and a half of pineapple juice, ounce of lemon, quarter ounce of simple syrup, splash of lime juice, pinch of salt, and club soda. The it's specific tasty. mixing instructions you have to find on the website. I'm not giving you all that. All right. Uh, I said all that. Mentioned the Staking the Plains Network. If you're not following those guys, obviously you need to check out Gambling Gauchos. You can find their podcast over on the Republic of Football feed from Dave Campbell's, um, Dinger Derby, Keith Patrick, David Collier, uh, especially this time of year, this whole spring. If you, and if you don't, don't know what you're doing, if you're not following those guys, listen to those episodes. But DingerDerby.com and, sorry, RedRaiderDugout.com, Dinger Derby is the podcast name. Seeing Scarlet, fantastic work putting out a lot of great interviews, especially with players. They've been cranking out those player interviews like crazy. And of course, you listen to us on our fine program right here, 23 Personnel. Let's uh, let's take that, Michael, and let's jump into some baseball. What say you? Roll it. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broom 
Gate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broom Gate. Left field. Well struck. Desloni picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field. Time because all the teams are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven from deep to right. Kerstad to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big foul. Cameron Warren's going to murder home from first. Throw the third is late. And the Red Raiders have reclaimed the lead. Popped up. I know we've talked about this a lot, but that first highlight is of Texas Tech's first victory in Omaha. And it came against the number one top-seeded Florida Gators. Hey, here we go. Tyler, That's very topical. Tyler Nesloni threw out, gunned out, gunned down Jonathan India at second base, trying to stretch a double, sorry, a single into a double. India is, of course, with the Cincinnati Reds and has been for quite some time now. But, uh, yeah. Let's, before we get to the Gainesville Regional, let's talk about the Big 12 tournament. Um, it went about <laughs> as you would have expected. Kind Actually, of. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think or, it was. Way better than I expected. Probably as good as I could have expected is, is how I would say that. And maybe maybe it was more of the uh, in, in, in typical Spencer watching tech sports fashion. I got sucked in and I believed for half a second. <laughs> then my heart was stomped on and ripped apart. So you start the, you start the weekend. The, sorry, you start the week, the tournament. Start the tournament because it started on Wednesday. You started out with a 6-2 to two victory over West Virginia. Uh, you knew they were kind of reeling a little bit coming off their, their series loss uh, in, in, in Austin. Sweep. Sweep, yep. Um, you got them in game one. Uh, you, you had a great game. Um, let me have this pulled up for you real quick. Um, you jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. Uh, behind the start of Mason Molina, who got his fifth start of the year. Beckel earns his sixth save of the year. But you scored in the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. You kept the pressure on them all night. Um, like I said, jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. They got one run back in the bottom of the fourth, and not they didn't score again to the bottom of the seventh. So at one point, you were up 6-1. to one. Um and that was that was just about it. You had a you had a you had two home runs in the in the night, a uh, a single from uh, sorry, a solo home run from Austin Green and a solo home run from Gavin Cash. Um 
Molina went six full innings, gave you six innings, four hits, one run, three walks to six strikeouts. Beckel came in for the final three through 41 pitches, two hits, one run, not earned, no walks, and four strikeouts. So you take the first game, you move into the winner's bracket, um, set you up so sets you up pretty well for the rest of the weekend. You take on Oklahoma and it was a different story, man. Uh, they jumped out to a five, nothing lead, uh, through the fourth, through the top of the fourth, you responded with four of your own in the bottom of the fourth. So you brought it within five to four. Oklahoma got one in the fifth. You got one back in the fifth. So six to five. Then they put up three in the top of the six. You're like, oh my gosh, like just can we ever just hold them? Not let them score. You did not respond in the six, but you did put up two in the seventh um, to get it to nine to seven, nine, seven. And then you did the rest of your damage there in the bottom of the ninth to walk it off 10 to nine. That 10th inning, Michael, was nuts for Texas. Sorry, 10th inning, the ninth inning. Um, because Josh Sa- Josh Sanders was on the mound for you, um, and he was just mowing guys down. Like you felt supremely confident with him uh, out there for you. Three he through the last three full innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Um, but like it, it just felt like he was in command. Um, so you, you get a quick top of the ninth from Oklahoma ground out, strikeout, strikeout. And then bottom of the ninth cash starts you off. hits, um, he, he grounds out. So first batter one out, you're like, okay, man, we gotta, we gotta settle this. We gotta get some guys on Vuletic singles to left Hudson white walks, maxi strikes out. So you get to two outs, uh, no runs have scored, but you guys got one on runners on first and second. Then you get tracer Lopez, Singles to right, knocks in a run, gets you to nine to eight. Flip your lineup over. Nolan Hester comes up. He singles, knocks in Hudson White to tie the game. Um, Gage Harrelson's up next to he singles in the infield to load the bases. And Kevin Bazell blasts one right at the third baseman off of his glove gets far enough away for the tracer Lopez to come in and score from third to get you the walk-off victory 10 to nine sitting at two and zero in the conference tournament. You're like, man, this is a great spot to be. Um, you started Tabor fast in game two here. Um, he goes three and two thirds innings, four hits, five runs, three earned, six walks, two strikeouts. Not the best start. Um, Ethan Coombs came in, got you he threw three pitches, got you an out um, on a strikeout. So three straight strikes and gets pulled. Jacob Rogers gives you an inning, two hits, one run. Uh, it was earned in one strikeout. Bo Blessy gets you just a third of an inning, gets one out on eight. Pitches. Now, the problem with this, and I don't, as it was happening, um, one, it looked like Jacob Rogers was doing pretty well. So it didn't make a lot like 
when it happened, you're like, why are, why are, why are we changing pitchers? And when you get to Bo Blessy, um, and if you were to, if you just saw the box score and saw that he walked three guys and only recorded one out, you would think like, what the hell happened? Watching it happen though, like it, you could almost see that it was coming and it had very, like it, it started off with nothing on, on bless he's in. Like he got, he got squeezed by the home plate ump, um, on some borderline just pitches that just went against him. And then the wheels kind of fell off and then it did become a, a command issue with Blessy. Um, and over his third of an inning, like I said, gave up three runs. All three of them were earned on three walks. Uh, he did have a wild pitch. You had three wild pitches on the night. Um, but even like, I don't see the pass ball, but there, there you had some issues this weekend, especially, um, what game was that? Was that the, was that the Oklahoma state game where you just had the, like the horrendous first inning? Anyways, we'll get in, in, in the, in the game uh, or in the tournament or was it against Oklahoma? Hold on. Yeah. I mean the first, the first inning against. Yes. It was, it it was, it was, it was the first inning against Oklahoma. They only scored one and you felt like, holy crap. We, we, we avoided like disaster. Um, they, they let off, uh, the top of the first with a, a single by Spikerman. Spikerman advanced to second on a wild, on a pass ball. Pettis behind him, Walks on four straight pitches. Spikerman advances on a pass ball. Um, does get thrown out at home. So he went from third, he went from second, trying to get all the way home because uh, the ball got away from, I believe Maxi was behind the plate for this game. Uh, but then did, did get, uh, he, he and Fast were able to get the, the tag, the runner out. After that, Pettis advanced to second on a pass ball. The next batter walks on four straight pitches. So you've thrown eight straight balls, walk two guys without throwing a strike. Um, Harris comes up, ball, and then he gets hit by a pitch. So you load the bases. Still no, like, um, one out, but the bases are loading. Sorry, I, I was trying to figure out where the out came from. Um, then you walked in a run on a two, four, six, eight, eight pitch at bat versus McKenzie. Um, and then you get Carmichael, their catcher to hit into a double play um, to end the inning. So with all of that nonsense that happened, you leave the inning only one run. You're like, Holy crap. Like this is, this could be weird. This could be bad. Um, so shaky start for, for taper fast gets it kind of uh, under control. Well, I say that Oklahoma did score a bunch of runs, but you just had some weirdness between your 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 battery, right? Your 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 pitcher and catcher combination all all day was just a little off. Um, so after after Blessy, uh, you get Ryan Free, who goes two thirds of an inning, finishes out that inning for you on fourteen pitches. So Blessy goes eighteen pitches and gets one out. Free goes fourteen pitches and gets you two outs. Uh, gives up a hit, but no runs, no walks, and gets a strikeout, but does have a wild pitch of his own. 
Sanders comes in, throws the final three frames, no hits, no runs, two strikeouts. So Sanders went 33 pitches, three innings, 33 pitches. Um, so you, you get to the winner's side of the bracket. You're like, okay, you're feeling good. You get, you get Friday off. Uh, you're waiting around to see who you're going to get on, on Saturday. Um, Oklahoma state does take down Oklahoma eliminates them. So you got to play them and they just whip you, man. In that first game, they beat you eight to one. They scored two runs in the second, four in the third, two more in the fourth. And like that, that was it, man. I mean, obviously those are the eight runs they scored. Uh, you scored one, only one run and it was in the top of the fifth. Only managed to get five hits. They did all eight of their runs on eight hits. Um, Zane Petty was was your starter in the day. Took his first loss of the season. Only went two and a third. Six hits, six runs. All five of those were earned. Two walks, four strikeouts. Brendan Lysett comes in. Haven't seen him in a while. He goes an inning in the third. Gives up a hit. Two runs. Both of those earned. Two walks and a strikeout. Jace Lopez goes a third of an inning. And then Zach Erdman finishes the game with four full innings. No hits, no runs, one walk, five strikeouts. <clears throat> so you're like, okay, okay, fine. Um, it's kind of the nature of the beast. You just you just kind of, you know, you, you wipe that off. You move on. You're like, okay, we got, we got another shot at these Cowboys. Um, and man, that fifth inning had you feeling pretty good. So going into the fifth inning, tied 0-0. It's a pretty good game. Texas Tech blasts five, puts up a five spot in the fifth, man. Um, you, you start off the inning, top of the lineup, Hester walks, Harrelson walks. Uh, they switch out their pitcher. Kevin Bazell comes in, singles, uh, gets an RBI. Hester scores there, so you get it one nothing. Um Green fouls out, then Cash reaches on a fielder's choice because he's he's sneaky fast for a big first baseman. <laughs> um, yeah, but on that because because he was able to stay out of a double play, a run does score and keeps the inning going. Um, Vulitich singles on <laughs> what did he do? Two, four, seven straight fouls. He fouled off seven straight pitches. Uh, and then he finally finally singles, uh, gets cash over to third, and then Hudson White just absolutely destroys a baseball, put it puts it in the upper deck. Uh, it was like close to like four hundred thirty feet, whatever. Three run bomb to get up five nothing, and you you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You're like, dang, that like you took advantage of Oklahoma State not being able to to close out the inning with an error. Or not even an error. It's a fielder's choice, but it was it was it was forced by just Cash's speed and hustle. Didn't get thrown out on what you know could have been um, because they they shift heavily or they have been shifting heavily. The opponents have been shifting heavily against Cash, uh, and a lot of times if it's not in the air, like over the fence, like he's he's mashing it right at the second baseman. So they they, they figured out his his tendencies, um, but. He hits it, hits it really hard, is able to leg it out, stay out of the double play, and keep the inning alive, and then able to put up a bunch of runs following that. What happens, though, is the bottom of the eighth comes around and just the just 
the wheels fall off, man. Um, they lead off with a single, uh, and then they have a pinch hit guy. Sorry, a pinch hitter come in, smokes a home run, five to two. You're like, all right, like it's fine. Like it's it's not the end of the world. Next batter singles. Um, this was against Coombs. Sorry, this was against Ryan Free. Uh, Coombs comes in. And just faced one guy. Faced one guy. He reaches by an error. Uh, Beckel comes in, strikes out his first batter, um, and then Mendham singles to load the bases. Um, the run, all the runners advance on a wild pitch, including uh, a runner scores, gets you to five to three. And then Binge hits a two run single into right. Uh, to tie the game, and then you're able to 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 close out the inning. So you're tied. Uh, you do not score in the top of the ninth. Um, so you open it up to get walked off. Um, and they did it, man. Their first batter strikes out swinging. Second batter, like second home run of the year, but just hits one as big. And as far as Hudson White, solo home run to left field to walk it off and knock you out of the Big 12 tournament. Uh, Oklahoma State advances to the championship game versus TCU. The consolation here is they got their asses handed to them by TCU. <laughs> um, and that may have been because they had uh, they advanced through the loser's bracket, right? They had to play, I think, two more games than, than TCU did. TCU got to, the, got to Sunday 3-0. Oklahoma State had to get there by going three and two. Sorry, th- three and one. So they played w- one more game than, than, than Oklahoma, than TC did. Um, so you were, you advanced uh, as far as you'd had since the opening of the Big 12 tournament in like the 98 or whenever it was. Uh, and I guess whenever you get to that point and you're, you're, you're playing for a spot and the, the title game, um, that you just want it, but it didn't end up happening, man. And it was disappointing that it happened the way it did, especially in the walk-off. But, um, or that you had, or I had allowed myself to believe once you got it five, nothing, um, that you were just, you were in a great spot to, to, to close out that game. Uh, but then you gave up five and then a backbreaking, obviously solo home run to walk it off. Yeah, I was beginning to believe too, but I also felt like to go 2-0 and out of the gate, work is done. Their work is done. They have they did what they needed to do in the big picture. But uh, yes, you know, I watched most of the Saturday, the first game against Oklahoma State, and that just kind of felt hopeless. And you thought, okay, well, that was fun. Let's move on to the tournament. And then sure enough, like you said, they suck you back in on that second game of the doubleheader and mm-hmm. going into the eighth, they're up five, nothing. And you think, all right, well, why don't we just, why don't we just win this one? Let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, Let's and, win and this one, to, see what we get. Yeah. And then to, to have six unanswered poured on you yeah. in that fashion. Ouch. So 
you wrap up your season on Saturday. Um, I said selection Sunday. It ended up being selection Monday, although the national seats were selected on Sunday. Selected and announced on Sunday. So you know your top 16. Um, you hear your name called going to Gainesville uh, as a three seed, which I thought was you were I I I thought you were probably on the on the edge there of, of being a two or three, but that may have just been my uh my fandom here. Um Texas Tech as a three seed feels a little I don't know. I didn't like it. You were three seed last year. Um and it ended up being uh the the two three teams two and three teams playing for the the regional championship there. Um, do you want to go around the regionals really quickly? And then we'll talk about a... Sure. I mean, I, I don't want to... I don't, I'm not going to give you like a, a preview or a project, prediction, but you've got an Auburn regional, uh, which there was some controversy there, Michael. I don't know if you, if you were following that closely enough. Um 14 of the top 16 RPI teams hosted are, are hosting a regional. So you had two teams outside or two teams in, within the top 16, not host. Um, one of them, sorry. Yeah. One, one of the teams not hosting was Campbell. Uh, one of the teams, Auburn outside of the top 16 did host. And the fishiness came from the fact that, Auburn's athletic director is the chair of the committee for NCAA baseball tournament. Well, and they're in the SEC, what? so they want to get how, how many teams do they have in the tournament this year? Like nineteen, something like that. Like seven hosts. Yeah, they have ten teams in the tournament, and I believe they've got seven hosts. Sheesh. Seven of the sixteen teams are hosting. So, sorry, seven of the sixteen. Regional hosts are SEC teams. All right. So you get Auburn. Uh, they've got Southern Miss, Samford, and Penn. Yeah. Uh, LSU, Oregon State, Sam Houston, Tulane. Tulane is the other uh, another interesting thing. They lost 40 games this year, but won their conference tournament. And so they get in as an automatic qualifier. Uh, and then you get teams that are just, you know, bubble teams bumped out because you get some anomaly like this. Um, you know, you get Kansas State, and you know whether or not you want to you want to be s- sympathetic to them and that they got let left out this year, or if you, you know, like tell them the schedule better, or, or or even just play their schedule better. Um, it is like there is some merit to the the comments that their their coach Pete Hughes had um, one because he was talking directly against how Oklahoma was picked over them when they did better than Oklahoma uh, in the regular season. They they beat them head to head. They advanced further in the, in the tournament, all that kind of stuff. But then you get a team like Tulane who won 19 games this year and snuck into a regional, <laughs> but they snuck into right. the Baton Rouge regional. So um, Charlottesville, so Virginia hosting Virginia, East Carolina, Oklahoma Army, Clemson, hosting Clemson, Tennessee, Charlotte, and Lipscomb. The Clemson and Tennessee matchup should be pretty interesting, pretty entertaining. 
Uh, I The other two teams, I don't even know anything about them. But I do know Clemson's got a really hot baseball team right now, and that was one of the areas, one of the locations Texas Tech may have landed. Uh, and Tennessee obviously was just supremely hot last year before getting knocked out in the Supers uh, against Notre Dame. I think they lost like just a handful of like what four or five games until they got to the, the Super Regional. South Carolina hosting Campbell, NC State, and Central Connecticut. Coastal Carolina hosting Duke, UNCW, and Ryder. Miami hosting Texas, Louisiana, and Maine. Fayetteville hosting TCU, Arizona, Santa Clara. That could be a really fun regional to watch um, because of obviously Arkansas being super good and and you just know that their their home field advantage, their facilities there are just top-notch. TCU being as hot as they are and Arizona being a pretty good baseball school too. Um, talked about Gainesville. Lexington hosting West Virginia, Indiana, and Ball State. That is as much of a regional regional as you're probably going to get. No kidding. <laughs> Those schools are probably within a couple of hours of each other. Nashville, so Vanderbilt hosting Oregon, Xavier, and Eastern Illinois. Did you see that announcement, Michael? I don't know how much you paid attention to college baseball Twitter, but the facility upgrades that they're gonna they're pouring into the the Vanderbilt Stadium. Uh, no, not really. I, mean, un- I, I, I saw something. It's ungodly, dude. They're they're giving them like a second deck. Um, they've already got like just almost the best facilities out there. Um, but second deck, they've got like a home run deck. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would look it up. But it's part of like it's like a three point two billion dollar project within their entire university system. If I read that number correctly, but still facilities. Did you see kind of the cluster going on in Lexington? I think there's some big country music festival or something. And so there's no hotel rooms. They've got team staying. We've got team staying on, on campus dorms and charging them for it. Yes. And I I was trying to, I I really need to tell my father-in-law who lives in Shelbyville, which is maybe an hour West of Lexington. Like, Hey, Get that RV plugged in. Six hundred bucks a night, man. Go rent that could, bad boy out. Could make a killing. Fifteen hundred bucks a night. Samantha's. If he uh, cooks his cheesecake, it'd be like two grand a night. There you go. Cheesecake sounds pretty good. Uh, Samantha's maternal grand, like her maternal family, all live out in Lexington and Nicholasville. Uh, there we you go. See, last May, but they they need to. Just, just a few Airbnb. minutes away. Yeah, just a few minutes away from from campus. We actually drove drove through campus, drove around campus, uh, just on our, our just traveling to get to different things. We just like just drove right through it. Um, Mountaineers fans are lovely people. I'm sure they're going to do great. You could just you could just host host them only. Stanford hosting A and M, Texas A and M, Cal State Fullerton, so only San Jose fans. State. You could <laughs> only. There would only be fans there. Sorry. Go ahead. Stillwater, Oklahoma State hosting Dallas Baptist, Washington, Oral Roberts. Dallas Baptist was one of the other teams that was on the bubble, if you will, for hosting. Although I I thought it was a, a long shot, unlikely because of their their facilities, man. Their their 
their stadium holds like 1,500, 1,800 people. Uh, now they've got a lot of grass, you know, in the out, like in the outfield, outside the outfield fence that you can put some, some, some chairs on. Um, and it's a good looking facility, but it's just really small. So I was like, there's no way they're going to put a, a regional there. No, they're going to Oklahoma state because they've got a, just a $75 million new stadium to fill out. Um, Terre Haute, Indiana state hosting Iowa, North Carolina and Wright state. Alabama is hosting Boston College, Troy, and Nichols. Wake Forest, one of the other hottest teams out there, hosting Maryland, Northeastern, and George Mason. So 47 and 10. Holy crap, Wake Forest. Yeah. Uh, Indiana State's 42 and 15. So, like another team I haven't heard of. Iowa. They went on a tear after after you beat them forty two and fourteen on the season. Northeastern forty four and fourteen. Like they're they're like a lot of these teams. You know, Texas Tech was talking about like we, we need to get to, need to get to forty wins. I mean, Dallas Baptist forty five wins. Oral Roberts forty six wins. Um, a lot of a lot of games won. Florida and UConn. We'll, we'll talk about them. They were in our, our they're in our regional. Florida's one forty-four, UConn's one forty-three. Um, a lot of forty-game winners. If you look around. So with that, let's uh, let's jump into the regional. Uh, obviously, you're, it's going to be Florida as the number one as as a one seed, number two national seed. But in the regional, they're one. UConn two, Texas Tech three, Florida A and M, the Rattlers four, and very easily the worst team in the, in the regional. It's not even close. Yes. It's not like yes. uh, they, they're competing with, with um, whatever. No, no, no. They're And just about every statistical category I pulled, they were last. And there's a reason why they weren't last in the two categories that they weren't. So batting average. Uh, Texas Tech actually has the best batting ad- average of the four teams. Then UConn, Florida, a- Florida A&M in that order. Slugging percentage, Florida takes first, then Tech, UConn, Florida A&M. On-base percentage goes back to Texas Tech, UConn, Florida A&M. Then OPS, so just adding those two up, Florida takes first uh, because they had such a huge lead on the slugging percentage. They slug 557. So they're first. They're sixth in the country with that. Texas Tech, second in the regional, slugging 519. So there's a huge jump there. UConn 492, and then Florida AM 480. So o- OPS, Florida's first 954, Texas Tech second 936, UConn third 907, huge drop, Florida AM 866. Texas Tech scored the most runs out of any team in this regional at 510. Florida 484, UConn 463, AM 447. Florida, though, they mashed, dude. They hit a bunch of home runs. Obviously, that that's going to elevate their slugging percentage. They hit 119 home runs this year, man. It's good for third in the country. Texas Tech was second at 90. Second in the regional. 36th in the country with 90. UConn, 77. Florida A&M, 69. Nice. And then stolen bases. UConn, this is where UConn finally takes a uh, an advantage here within the regional, they are 118 of 142 stolen bases. 
So they're right up there around like Dallas Baptist, TCU, and West Virginia and that kind of realm of teams that just can run. Then it's Florida 58 of 71, Florida A&M 44 of 58. Though their one offensive statistical category that I looked at that Florida a and was not last because Texas Tech is 28 of 35. Dead last. At least by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, 23 fewer stolen base attempts than, than A&M. Um, half as many stolen base attempts as Florida, who is in second place. And then half again. So what's that? 25% of what UConn attempted. Almost exactly. I can do math. Look at that. 35 of 142. So offensively, uh, it's a two-horse race, man. It's you and, and Florida, right? You have the batting average. Um, you have on-base percentage, and you have runs scored. They have slugging percentage, OPS, and home runs. Um, UConn is is taking most of those statistical categories. They, they're second in batting average and second on-base, but the other, they got three. No, they've got four of those. They're third best in the regional. And then stolen base is obviously where they do their damage. Uh, defensively, team ERA. This is where things flip around deep defensively. Uh, UConn is going to be the team uh, that's going to take the advantage here. They are first in team ERA within the, the within the, I say the conference, within their division, within the regional. I'm going to get the word right eventually. They're 56. What kind of um, surprised me, so teams one, two, and three here, team ERA, are within nine spots of each other nationally. UConn team ERA of 484 uh, take first in the regional. Florida at 487, so just behind UConn. They were 61st in the country. Texas Tech 501, 65th. Florida A&M, Michael, their team ERA for the season, 699. Almost two full runs lower than Texas Tech at third. But not seven. No, not seven. There. And if Texas Tech could have shaved off two hundredths of an ERA, they could have been in the fours. But... Here we are. Whip. Whip. Florida takes the lead here. 141. They're 40, 49th in the country. First in the regional. Then UConn 150. Tech 152. They were actually 81st and 88th in the country in terms of whip. And then Florida A&M 263rd at 187. Double plays. It took me a second to figure out uh, as I, I was putting all this together. Uh, Florida is actually terrible at turning double plays. They've turned 27 all year. And then I realized, because I, I did double plays first and then whip. I was like, oh, it's because they don't let anybody on base. <laughs> They're 49th best whip uh, and then like 49th worst double plays. T- turn 27 because they don't they don't let anybody on base. Um, UConn is first in the regional. They've turned 49 double plays. Texas Tech's turned thir- 45. Florida A&M 31. And then Florida... And then fielding percentage, it goes UConn, Florida, Texas Tech, and Florida A&M. Surprisingly, as bad as Texas Tech's fielding percentage was all year, we talked about it a lot, um, there's a team that was worse. Well, one, there are lots of teams that were worse than Texas Tech, but within even within the regional. So um, of these four categories, Florida A&M was last in three of the four, only beating out... Uh, Florida for number of double plays because Florida just doesn't let a lot of guys on base. Uh, and then they were 
last in one, two, three, four, five, six of the seven offensive categories only because Texas Tech attempted fewer stolen bases. So Florida AM is terrible. However, I would love to see them take down. Shut up, phone. Would love to see them take down Florida and get them in the one and game on well, Saturday. They're, they're kind of coming in hot a little bit. Uh, I, I looked into, you know, how does a 29 and 28 team win their respective tournament? And they ended up beating the number one seed in the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, in the SWAC. The number one seed was the Alabama State Hornets. Who um, fantastic mascot? Yes, who finished with a forty and eighteen record? Ooh, they were tw- 20, 26 and four in conference play. Yeah, they were twenty six and four in conference. So they've just been steamrolling people all year. Um, and then they then they stumble into little old Florida A and M. What What's interesting with this with the SWAC? They I I don't know if they did this for every team or what, but definitely played two series with Florida A&M. So Alabama state swept Florida A&M early on. Then right before the tournament, Alabama state lost game one in their second series against Florida A&M. And they, uh, let's see. Yeah. They, they lost it five to four in 14 innings. Yeah. Then they won the, then they won the next game. 5 to 11 and then they barely won the third game 7 to 9 in another extra inning special mm. 12 innings to get that one played. So this is coming right into the tournament. And then right out of the gate, um second game they face off again in the tournament. But little old Florida A&M loses on to that game 8 to 9, another close one. And then to finish off the tournament, Florida A&M beats them twice in a row, Ugh. eight to six and eight to four. So I, I don't know if it just if they were just built to beat Alabama State at the end of the year, but man, Alabama State has to be pissed. So um, I was just I mean, curious to see how how Florida A&M even got there, but it just seems like kind of some really interesting stretches of. Uh, you know, bad luck for Alabama State and good fortune for Florida A&M that those two played each other as much as they did. I mean, in let's see. Let me go back to from May 19th to May 27th, they played each other six times. That's a and lot, then Yes. So that that was that was a six game stretch and Florida AM they were three and three, but they won the th- the th- the three that mattered the most. Uh back to streaks just because that's that's kind of what I'm interested in. Yeah, Alabama State, I mean 125th in RPI. That's not awesome, but yeah, they still won forty one games into the year. They've just got to be kicking themselves after that. Florida A&M tournament. So hopefully Florida A&M's luck has run out. They don't seem to be a very great team, but they seem to have just yeah, hot. had the hor- yeah, and had the Hornets absolute number there at the end of the season. Uh Florida they are rolling in pretty hot. 
won seven of their last nine games, including a sweep against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And then they went one and one against them in the SEC tourney. They did lose the championship, I believe, to Vanderbilt, if I'm right on that. I think they did. So, yeah, they took them to the championship and then lost. Six they are, 11. sorry, I was going to say Florida 30 and six at home this season. Ooh. Yeah. And we're playing in their house. Um, but got to get through UConn first at the very least. And as you mentioned, U- UConn's a really tough defensive team. Um, we'll see if the defense travels, much like they talk about in football, if it does or not. Uh, but they're not really on much of a hot streak currently. They, didn't you know they didn't win the Big East tourney? They dropped out after going three and two, but they were ten and two going into the tournament. So maybe they kind of took their foot off the pedal a little bit in the tourney, weren't that worried about it, kind of pulled a tadlock or something. But they still won three games in in their tournament. Um, but yeah, ten and two before that, so on a pretty good streak coming into it. A lot of games were canceled though. So I don't know if it was weather or what, but you go through their, you, you know, you go through their schedule and uh, May 16th game against Royal Island, Rhode Island was canceled. Uh, Long Island was canceled on May 9th. Um, the third game against Villanova was canceled on a Sunday, April 30th. Brown University canceled a- April 26th. So I, I don't, I mean, they had like five games canceled in the last month. Uh, that could have helped them or could have hurt them. Who knows? So I'm, I'm looking at, at the Florida schedule, uh, and I know you, you're just going through the UConn schedule. They are – the results, like – I wouldn't say they're surprising. They're fascinating to me. They've got like – when they win, they win big. Um, Like they've got a lot of shortened games uh, with like – Charleston Southern, 16 to 2, 13 to 3, 8 0. Then they lose to South Florida and they jump <laughs> back and they, def- they, they, they whip up on, on Cincinnati, 13 to 6, and then a, a, a run rolled 13 to 3, second game, 13 to 7. They scored 13 runs three times against Cincinnati. Then they beat Jacksonville, 18 to 8, and then lose to Jacksonville, 10 to 8. They, they win the series against. Uh, they had a non-conference series against Miami. They win that two games to one with a with a run ruled shortened last game. Florida Atlantic, 18 to 11, 11 to 0. Siena, 3-2, 12-2. Two of those were run rules. Um they took the series against Alabama. They took a one game, uh, you know, it took one game from Florida State. Sorry, they played one game. They won it, they swept. Um Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Um, they lost game one versus Auburn 10 to one, but then won 12, five, 17 to eight. Um, they, they took two of three from Tennessee at Tennessee. They played Florida state a bunch. Uh, one of their second game was, was postponed and they won their third one, five to three. They took the series against Georgia you know, 11 to 13, they, they lost the first game and they won game two, two to one, and then won 11 to six. They did play Florida A&M already 17 to seven. They got swept by South Carolina in 
Columbus, Columbia, wherever that is. Uh, they got run ruled in game one, which is fascinating. Like it's like it just it baffles me, man. They're like really, really good most of the time. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think you mentioned I don't remember, but yeah, they did run rule Florida A and M. So they have mm-hmm. played them this year. And then yeah. also of uh, they beat Bethune Cookman eight to four on a midweek game. And that is who Florida AM beat to win the SWAC tournament nine mm-hmm. to six. So it's th- there's some commonality there, but I don't know if there's really that much to read into. But yeah, the direct matchup was a yeah, a run rule midweek matchup. But uh I am I mean I'm obviously concerned about Florida. I am con- more concerned about Yukon than I was thanks to you. I felt pretty good about them. And and then uh, I think defensively they're going to be an issue and hopefully our bats can find something. Um and even if they do find something they may not be able to make it to base, I don't know. Uh these guys look pretty good defensively, so I I feel Still, I've, I've been worried about Florida the whole time. I feel better about Florida A and M, and I feel worse about UConn. So I guess I, I'm about the same. It's gonna be a, so, gonna be a pretty good regional. I feel pretty good against uh, UConn. Um, I mean, I'm I'm trying to get to their 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 stats here really quickly. Um, They've got it in a PDF, and that's just so stupid. Like, why? Why do you put your? I don't. I, I want their pitching. <laughs> All right, whatever. Um, their starter, in terms of like most innings pitched, which I would assume would be a starter. Uh, Steven Quigley, 475. Next guy is Andrew Sears, 624. These are ERAs. Um, Co Garrett. So I, I would assume you'd see Quigley unless they unless they pitch backwards. And I want to talk about Texas Tech's pitching rotation or some strategy there uh, because Kyle spoke some sense to my heart, and I want to talk about that. Um, I didn't hear how how he how the discussion went with uh, Tech Hoops guy who's a, who's a statistical fanatic. Um, Quigley, who you may see in game one, uh, 72 innings pitched, 475, 4 and 2 on the year. Opponents are batting 263 against him. That's it's not good, Bob. Well, it's not good for him. It's good for opponents. Um, he's... He has 13 starts on the year and 14 appearances, um, giving up 71 hits, 39 runs, 38 of those were earned, walked 27, struck out 69. He's given up seven doubles, one triple, seven home runs. Um, so him, like if you see him first, like I, I'm not, I'm not super worried about their starting pitching. Um, because even like if, if, if he's, he's their ace and he's the guy with the most innings pitched, most appearances, uh, sorry, not the most appearances, but most starts, he's got 13 starts in the year. Andrew Sears has 14 starts. 
excuse me. He's got the most starts. Sears does. Um, I mean, but if you look at Sears, he's he's throwing six twenty four. Uh, another guy that's started a bunch, Ian Cook. He's five seventy four, two eighty six opponent batting average. Um, they're they're starting pitching like you you can get all, all over them. You can score runs against these guys. Um, their offense not super great. Um, three hundred five batting average, so they're they're behind, they're right behind you. Um, they don't hit for power. Uh, there's slugging percentages. They're, they're four ninety two uh, on base, four fifteen. So their OPS is 907. They're third in, in the regional in OPS. Um, 463 runs scored where Texas Tech has scored 410. Sorry, 510. Um, hit 77 home runs where Texas Tech has hit 90. They do still still base. So if you get, if they get on, that's that's a, the problem that we've seen with with a lot of teams, especially because it seems like holding runners and 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 trying to keep guys from advancing either has not been a strategy like not been an, an intentional focus or just like you're just not good at it. Um, but if UConn's able to get guys on they're they're able to get them around 118 of 142 stolen bases on the year. I'm not super worried about, about UConn. So setting it up that way, I, and I, I don't want to be too disruptive because I know, I know uh, like kickers and football pitchers, are all like all about their, their, their headspace, man. And I don't want to mess with Molina, but you should not need your ace to take down UConn. So would you, would you make that change or would you just still start Molina anyway? It would probably have to be based on, on, on conversations with him and how he reacts. Like, Hey, we're thinking about doing this and see how he reacts. Because if he's open and receptive and like excited about it, like yeah, I I want like I want to go against the Gators. I, I I want Florida in game two. Yeah, man, we'll we'll hold you off until Saturday, and we'll throw Tabor Fast or uh, Kyle Robinson maybe uh, you know back as a starter, um, or or Petty even to start against UConn. Um, because like I know like a lot of old school mentality is like you have to win game one. And like my logical brain says, no, 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 you need to win game two. If you lose game one, you absolutely have to win game two. If you win game yeah. one, you really want to win game two. Like game two to me holds more importance of winning than game one, especially when you're coming as a three seed. If you win game one, you're likely going up against the number one team in the regional. You need your best arms available. So like, I wouldn't even want like Beckel throwing on Friday. I want like your, 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 and not like your second string guys, but like, I want your best arms available for Friday when you are probably going to be lining up against Florida. Win or lose on, on, sorry, on Saturday, win or lose on Friday. I think you need to, I would want to see best arms available on Saturday for Florida. Because if you roll out game one and, and burn through Mason Molina, um, Beckel, and maybe like a Ryan free or somebody, and all those guys are unavailable for like a must win game two against the number one team in the, 
in the regional and number two national seed. And you're like, hey, Kyle Robinson, we need to go start again. Uh, we need Ethan Coombs and Bo Blessy and all these guys that haven't been giving you a lot of depth or a lot of length out of the bullpen. Like we need them to go compete against Florida's. I don't think that's your winning strategy. I, I don't think that that sets you up best to win the regional. And I know like, so, you know, a lot of people say like game one's most important. I think they have that mentality. Like just don't go. Oh, and two. So at least win one game. They're like we, we got to win game one. And I understand that because fighting back from the loser's bracket is that much tougher, especially when you're looking at Texas Tech's depth uh, within the rotation or within the bullpen. But like, man, I, I know, I know it's a gamble to flip your starter and and push him back. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, and you have to take some heat on like. We lost game one against a team we should have beat because you threw X instead of Molina and you didn't you didn't put out Beckel, what whatever. Yeah, because I think it's okay to be trying to get those guys ready to take on Florida in game two. And if you lose game one and you get Florida AM, great. Like I think you got a, a, a really good shot to bounce back and not need to take Molina. But the problem is at that point, he's going to be off by two days now. At least. This is before even like weather p- plays a role in, in this weekend. And is that going to be an issue? You know, like if he's supposed to throw on Friday and he's still sitting there on Sunday and hasn't thrown yet and you're in a delay or whatever and, and, and you know, you, you need this game against, let's say UConn to, to then get back against Florida or what, whatever, however, however it's going to shake out with everybody else playing. Like, is that going to be an issue? Is, is, you know, is, is that going to, is that going to, is there going to be a scenario where he ends up not even pitching at all because you, you tried to, to bump him back and then things got out of hand and like, like it just didn't like, he wasn't ever ready to come back. And then like you, you get eliminated from the regional without throwing your best arms because you're trying to save him for a scenario that never ended up materializing. I don't know. And that, that kind of heat would take a lot of confidence to, to want to face and be like, I'd be okay to take that on. I would assume Tadlock would have the confidence to do that. But I also know Tadlock is old school enough that I hate it but I think we'll probably see Molina and Beckel against UConn. Yeah, because that's who's been starting your series, and that's just how we do things. Yeah. and, I, and You want a I, weather and, report? Yeah, we'd love to see one. <laughs> okay. Friday, high of 86, partly cloudy, 23% chance of showers. Saturday, high of 83, p.m. thunderstorms, 42% chance of rain. Sunday, high of 85, scattered thunderstorms, 49% chance. And Monday, 87, mostly sunny, 24%. So would not be surprised if Saturday and possibly Sunday games get interrupted, but maybe they can make up some some lost time on Monday. 
Yeah, that's know. just what's that's the risk. That's the risk you take going to Florida in June or Lubbock in late May. Apparently, the way things have been here lately. Almost three inches of rain on Sunday night, Spencer. Insane. Two point eight inches. We We've emptied so it much rain. Sunday, and then so much rain. Monday morning. That was a very happy Memorial Day surprise. Two point eight inches of rain. Crazy. So I'm uh I'm 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 gonna leave it in the Discord because it was a private conversation. But just there is a uh there is a roster limit to how many guys you can take with you to a regional at twenty seven. And we saw some guys um like right after the Big Twelve conference it like it came out that they 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 were playing w- with other teams when that's what they do over the summer uh we saw Jarrett curtis playing with the summer team we saw ryan brome had moved on uh not not a surprise right like those guys that aren't getting a lot of playing time they want to get onto their their summer teams and and, and continue to develop and, and get ready for the next season um if they're not being you know not being utilized by the, the, their college teams, but there was a handful of, of, of pitchers that, that I, I just saw that aren't, aren't making the trip. And I was a little surprised about a couple of them. Um, not like a starter. Um, but just, 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 just guys that if, if you were to think about who has been used and who hasn't and their, their most recent outings, you probably wouldn't be surprised by who didn't make the trip, but still guys that you had, had hoped for meaningful contributions to the team this year out of the bullpen, or even as a starter, uh, not even making it on the regional roster. So like I said, I'll leave it there in case uh, that information's private. Cause I don't know how he got it, um, but I trust it and I trust him and his sources. So, uh, yeah, I'll let him break that or share that news if and when it's appropriate. So predictions, Michael, um, do you want to predict some games, at least the first two games? Cause that's about all, all you know of that may, you may get. <laughs> um, I, I do think let's, let's go. I think tech goes one and one. But I'm okay. not sure how. I, I could see the, in the scenario where you, I could see it work either way. Where the scenario where Molina gets the start, Tech could still lose, mm-hmm. or um, it's possible. You know, maybe he comes in in the second game, and it's presumably against Florida. Tech takes care of business there, uh, and maybe Florida did something crazy where they, you know, they beat Florida A and M, eighteen to two or whatever, and then. They lose to Tech by a run. So um, I'm leaning on one and one. And I know that's probably the safest, most normal answer you can come up with. But I'm really not sure how they're going to get there. I'm going to take a conventional one and one and say they win game one and lose game two versus Florida. Okay, I will. I'll go a step further. If they win game one, they will win game two. So you think if they win against UConn, they'll be in a spot to be playing for a regional title? They're just going to roll it. They're just going to roll right on 
right on through the home of Tom Petty. It's good vibes. It's a good place to be. So looking at, at, at their pitching, man, I don't, they've got three guys that have started 15 games each that lead their team in ERA. These are their starters. They got 63, 84 and 71 innings pitched. Jack Caglianone, you remember that guy because he hit 20,000 home runs this year. Also their best starting pitcher. Go figure. Brandon Sprout, 84 pitches. This guy threw 20 more innings, sorry, 84 innings through 20 more than Caglianone. 471 ERA. And then Hurston Waldrop, 78 in the third innings, 483 ERA. And they've got a handful of guys that you don't want to see coming out of the bullpen that throw, uh, they've thrown a lot of innings and they've kept their ERA down. Um, They've got their version of Brandon Beckel and Tyler Nesbitt. He's thrown 21 innings uh, and 10 appearances. Uh, Or maybe it's Philip Abner. He's gone 23 appearances or 28 innings, 349 ERA. Nesbitt's got a 295 ERA. Uh, Cade Fisher's thrown 32 innings, 3.50 ERA. They've got a ton of bullpen arms. I, I don't, I don't know anything about their roster, like who's going to get left, left behind. Um, but offensively, we talked about Caglianoni. He's batting 3.49 on the season. His OPS is 11.99, which is just silly, but he is second on his team in OPS. Um. Played and started all 58 games. Only offensive player to do that. 229 at-bats. 28 home runs. Wyatt Langford leads their team in batting 398. OPS of 1344. 51 games played. 51 starts. 17 home runs for him. Slugs 823. That's just ridiculous. Josh Rivera is second in average. 363, 20, 204 at-bats, scored 60 runs, nine doubles, 15 home runs. So he's uh, one, two, he's fourth on the team in home runs with 15. Is our, is our second leading home run hitter, and does he have 15 home runs? No, he doesn't. No, no, he does not. So... Florida's got the bats. And I think, unfortunately, the way that we're going to get, we're going to pitch this weekend, they're just going to feast on us on Saturday. Um, from there, I don't know. I would assume you would get back to, to UConn and play them again. Um, and then he gets to pitching depth. And if you're able to, with your, your third round through your, your, your guys, and second time seeing UConn, if you're able to keep them off the bases and keep them from running on you, uh, if you can work your way back to, to face Florida with an even more depleted bullpen and starting rotation. So I don't see it going well for Texas Tech. I do think you've got an opportunity, especially if things, uh, you know, if you get some wildness, some upsets, I think you've got a good shot against UConn. Um, being that Florida's taking on Florida A&M, and they've got three legit starters. I don't even know, like, I don't even know if all three of those starters will actually start this weekend. Like, they could roll out their midweek guy against Florida A&M. 
and be yeah. like, hey, we're going to hold off our three starters uh, to go Saturday, Sunday, and if we need it, Monday. Well, and presumably that's how they beat them and run ruled them 17-7 to 7 on a Tuesday earlier this year. So they could theoretically, they have done this exact thing, rolled out a midweek guy and run ruled them. So that, that may be a, an option they, they take. Yeah, let me let, let me let me pull that box score really quickly because I'm, I'm interested now to see who, who they threw. Uh, where is Florida A&M box score? Here we go, seventeen to seven, seven inning. Yeah, Yoel Tejeda was the was the the pitcher that got the win. Let's see. Um, yeah, he was their starter. Went four innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, and a strikeout. Fisher, Jamison, Jamison, Blake Purnell, then Cleet Herzog. Wow, what a name. Baseball player named Cleet? Yep, Cleet. C-L-E-T-E. Hmm. Herzog. Um, so Cleet with a K and two E's. Get out of here. Let's see, their Friday guy, their Friday guy has actually been Sprout. Let me see. Let me let me let me double check that. Spot check that. Nope. Well, their first starter against Kentucky was Hurston Waldrop. If you go back a weekend against Vanderbilt, it was Sprout. The weekend before on the road at AM, it was Sprout. Against Missouri. Let's see. It was Sprout. So it looks like Sprout is their third day, their Friday guy. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I don't like it. They've got three legit starting arms and an offense that just destroys baseballs at home. So you got your work cut out for you. That you do. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's jump over to the football really quickly. We got, we got some schedule updates to talk about, so let's do that. And then uh, we'll wrap it up. What do you say? Sounds good. Delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs, a gripping murder mystery, Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. 
Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Seconds to go, 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good! It is good! It is good! Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal! Oh, my God! Can you believe that? Wow! All right, so we saw today, recently, is it today? I don't know that uh, yes, Tech had today. five of their 12 football games, their kickoff times set. Um, and I don't know if I knew this beforehand, that game at Wyoming going to be on CBS. I didn't know that either. I, I mean, th- three of these five games are on broadcast network television yeah so the so you get you got your first three games set wyoming oregon tarleton state tarleton state being 6 p.m kick on espn plus not a surprise uh 
So these five games are all night games. You get a 6.30 yes. at Wyoming. That'll be 6.30 Central on CBS. Uh, your home opener versus Oregon, 6 p.m. on Fox. Tarleton State the week after, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. November 2nd, home versus TCU. That's a Thursday. Thursday, 6 p.m., FS1. And then weekend of Thanksgiving, the 24th, at Texas, 6.30 on ABC. So of those five night games, you do not repeat on a carrier. CBS, Fox, ESPN+, Plus, FS1, maybe count counter count that as a as a duplicate and they're both fox and then abc thoughts on that michael that you get five games right off the bat like that you know of right now that are be night games absolutely love it i'm, a, I'm also afraid that we're about to get 7 11 a.m's but you know that's fine it, if we get these i'll be happy there's got to be are, there's got to be a couple of 230s in there somewhere well, and you, you think that um, with ESPN Plus in the picture, because who else is coming to Lubbock? Um, Houston. Houston's coming. Kansas State. Yes. UCF. So that that November those 18th. could draw some eyes though because of the the new you know Houston maybe not so much but. UCF could draw some eyes just because it's a new matchup, new Big 12 uh, opponent and everything. But I, I just think with ESPN Plus being in the picture on those, as much as Kansas State fans and Texas Tech fans are going to be watching that game, there's going to be enough big wigs at the networks to say that, yeah, well, we're not going to put it on ESPN 2. To, sorry, we're going to put it on ESPN Plus because that's kind of been the pattern for Texas Tech, Kansas State showdowns um but if that's the case then they have a lot more options on kickoff time that's what i was trying to get to and then i kept sidetracking myself no i i know i said this before i know it's may and my, my opinion may change i still really like this home schedule sorry i like the whole schedule i do um, Wyoming, it's an interesting opponent and you, you open on the road, which gives it just that little bit of extra interest there. Uh, you're hosting Oregon, big name, big program, but you get them at home. It's fantastic. Tarleton State, I wish we could avoid these kind of games, but whatever. Open conference play on the road at West Virginia. I ain't scared of Neil Brown. Home versus Houston, I don't love seeing Donovan Smith back in Lubbock, but I ain't scared. Oh, that's another, yeah, that's another storyline I kind of neglected. Yeah. Cincinnati head baseball coach just resigned just before coming to the Big 12. He had some uh, staff members get caught up in some kind of controversy, but okay. So Houston, then you're on the road at Baylor. October 7th. That one could be a, a good uh, middle of the afternoon game. I don't know. I, re- like, I really like that 2.30, 3 o'clock time slot. I do. Personally, yes, so do I. <laughs> home versus... until 10 o'clock. 
Yeah, like you, you know, you're not like you're not it's drinking halftime or third quarter, and you're trying to put kids to bed. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting up to tailgate at six o'clock in the morning because you have to to get anything in before the, the eleven o'clock kick. Um, yeah. So then you go at Baylor, home versus Kansas State, at BYU, home versus TCU, at Kansas, home versus UCF. Like besides weeks two and three, you don't get any like home momentum, but that also means that you don't get any weird stretches where you're, you're, you're on the road for two or three weeks at a time. Momentum. <laughs> momentum. Yeah. Like going from Tarleton state through the rest of the season, home away every week, home away, home away, home away. The only, um, the weird break is going to be the week after uh, BYU. So you're not, you're playing at BYU October 21st. You don't play the 28th because you're playing the following Thursday. So th- th- there, there will be that little bit of a, you're not playing that weekend, the 28th. So you're, you're, you're by week. But in terms of like in order of games, home and away, I personally like that. I also do like these these these, these home games. Uh, sorry, these games that, that are, are are scheduled for night games. Um, I mean, outside of, like like I said, Tarleton State is just it's there because it's it's ESPN Plus. You 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 can decide when to play that game. And early in the season, especially in middle September, you want those you want those later games uh, to, to cool off there towards the end of the game. Um, TCU coming off a national title game appearance. Like I would love to see them be bad, but they're probably still be pretty good. Going to be some interest there. It's going to be Thursday night too, so you get that kind of interest night game. Texas supposed to be pretty good this year. Thanksgiving weekend, um, Oregon like it's good. Last time you ever play them, at least for a while. And I'm well, sure Texas will will, will take the opinion ever. of they don't want to ever, ever play us again. So yeah, it, it doesn't right. do them any good to play us again. Okay, well fine. Yeah. Bye. It's fine with me. I'm excited about football season, but I'm also excited to hear what you learned, Michael. So, all right, let's do it. You want to get there? Let's get there, dude. Yeah. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let me give a quick update on, on my, my, uh, behind the dish. Little league update because everybody loves it. Uh, rain has impacted the the city tournament, and then of course we had a holiday weekend. Um, I was scheduled two nights the first week of the tournament, so that would have been last week. I was scheduled Monday Thursday. I ended up being at a ballpark four nights in a row: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I still only called four games <laughs> there was a night we got there um we had just we we, we played absolutely no games um the first night we, we were out there it was monday night of last week uh we had an hour hour and a half delay there in the middle of the first game so that that night ended up finishing super late, but since we were already out of school, we were able to play that. You know, that last game went like it final at like eleven. 
which is pretty late for, you know, 10, 11 year old guys. Um, second night got out to the fields and that was a night where like they just, this little hail cell just mm-hmm. like tracked straight down 1585. When I was, I was out at the Cooper fields at 1585 in Milwaukee and then it parked right on top of us. It didn't rain that hard. There was a lot of lightning. So we were in a, in a lengthy lightning delay and then it rained just long enough to, to there, to where the wall, the, the field couldn't, couldn't drain any more off. So it was like, it was draining off just fine. It was draining off. It was raining for 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, whew, underwater. It's like, ah, it's saturated. <laughs> Cause it had, it had taken some rain the night before and then you can only hold so much water. Even as good as those fields are. And then I got out a game on Wednesday and a game on, on Thursday. So I, I don't know. It was, it's been fun. The, the, these teams are really, really good. Obviously if, if they're in the city tournament, uh, the older division should have finished up last week. They are still playing and they still had games going because of one, the weather delay. And then they had the holiday weekend. Uh, they did not play games Friday through Monday of this weekend. So they're, they're restarting. Uh, I had two games of the younger kid pitch division last night that went really well. Lots of fun. So good times Two actually two of the teams I saw last night were coached by guys that I played against when we made the city tournament a couple of years ago. I was like, Hey, th- did you guys have a coach pitch team that made the tournament a couple of years ago? Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we played you. We beat both of them by the way. Ah, of course you would remember that. Well, because the one team uh, that that we faced that we ended up being eliminated was a team in our own division, our own league. Uh, So I I remember them. And I remember the team that beat us the first time. Uh, I just, I don't recognize, I I wouldn't recognize any of them. But I remember that game because that was a game that supposedly I scared one of the kids when I was arguing with an umpire so much that he had to quit the team. (laughs) Even though he was a hundred plus feet away from me and couldn't hear what I was saying, but you know, scared him. So yeah, going yard. I was finally with all the rain, finally able to get all my yard and mow today. It had been like a month. It felt like, uh, I was basically cutting a hay field. So, uh, I went out there with a weed eater first because all the stupid rye grass that I'm still growing for some reason, uh, was a foot tall in most, most of the yard. I was like, the mower's not going to work with this. So I cut a lot of that down. And then I mowed. Um, it took forever, but I finally got that done. Uh, got lots of Bermuda growing, so I'm excited about that. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah, I I did my yard yesterday. Got it taken care of. Because it's supposed uh, to be raining again for several days. Well, it rained tonight. Yeah, there's a little bit of rain tonight, and it's supposed to be like severe weather next few days. Yeah, uh, I did want to share the what I've decided will be because at some point the stake in the plains crew will have a, a retreat. I'm just declaring that we'll have a summer retreat at some <laughs> he's, point. He's putting it out there. He's planning it. And, uh, you know, that's where we'll reflect and, and get together and bond and have some synergy and I love the you know, all that shit. Uh, but the shirt says podcasting. I'd rather be rod casting. And there's a, there's a, a silhouette of a of a guy with a fly rod, fly fisher, in the standing in the water, 
sun's obviously setting. It's beautiful. So maybe Keith could find us a good place for us to go go fly fishing and you know do some broadcasting instead of this podcasting. Uh, okay, so here's to the meat of the story. <laughs> nice. I went I went to Hail Meats, all Hail Meats mm-hmm. in Wolferth. Um, I still need to go. You do. It's really great. I was really impressed with how much they had. I went in with one thing in mind. I wanted a porterhouse. I wanted a nice thick porterhouse because I'd never cooked one before. I'd never ordered one. I'd never eaten one. Just, I just wanted to do the, do it, do it right. Do it big, give it a shot. And, uh, got that cooked that tonight. was really impressed with it. I have this thing, Spencer, where I don't season steaks enough sometimes because I'm so worried about overdoing it. So okay, I used the I used the Raider Red seasoning. Love that stuff. And I knew that I was going to go indirect. So I was kind of worried that I just, I don't know. I, I wanted the smoke to kind of flavor the steak more than just the seasoning. So I will admit I cooked it perfectly. Um <laughs> You you will admit that, huh? I will admit I, I cooked it perfectly on the on the large side, on the ribeye side, but on the fillet side, man, it it was kind of all over the place. Uh, there was part of it that was well somehow, part of it that was medium, part of it that was probably medium rare. Um, I really don't know why, uh, but the ribeye side was just absolutely perfect. I reverse seared it, so it was almost almost wall to wall. Kind of that dark pink, but really impressed with the selection at Hail Meats. Not a sponsor, but um, could be, could could be. Who knows? Had sausages. Uh, we got. Let's see. I got some German sausage. I think it was green chili. No, it's it was jalapeno cheddar, and then I, they had burger patties, which were green chili cheddar. And I also got some pepper beef jerky. They have dill pickle jerky that they were out of. Not surprisingly, because that seems like a thing people would really enjoy. I'd never even seen that before. Uh, they have pork products, which I didn't really look at because I was there for the beef. But uh, some venison. They had um, like beef kidney and liver, beef tongue. They have... Aged, this is what I want to go back and get, Spencer. Aged tri-tip. Huh. So they have dry-aged tri-tip, and I think he said it was seven or so a pound. And, you know, normally tri-tip's like five-something, so that's not a crazy premium, especially when they're only two pounds a piece, two and a half. So I would be interested to try an aged tri-tip the next time I go. And I thought there was some other thing I got too. Oh, we got some summer sausage, but I haven't tried it yet. And it was also some sort of, I forgot which pepper. It was either green chili or jalapeno, and then it was cheddar too. Great stuff, man. You got to check it out. So I had thoughts about going in and trying to see if they had beef plate ribs. Did you see any beef ribs there? Yes, they okay. do have plate ribs. I was thinking about getting some of that. Uh, maybe trying some sausage. I I, I typically do get sausage. And I, I I can't remember what else I had in mind to go scope out. 
maybe Most of their ground beef or like hamburgers. Yes. They do. Yeah, they have, like I said, they have patted uh, burgers. They also have just, ham, you know, hamburger meat. And I think it was a pretty good price. Most of what they have is frozen. They do have some fresh, mm. like they had some fresh sausage and some fresh steaks and stuff. But what was great was I just told him, you know, I'm looking for a porterhouse because I didn't see one. And he said, well, how thick do you want it? He's like, I'll, I said, I'll well, cut you one right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was exactly what it, uh, nice. it just felt like. It was just such a baller thing. To, I've never had that happen before. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I said, well, what do you suggest? You know, and he said, well, I'd say at least an inch and a quarter because it's just. Yeah. You don't want to. Thick, brother. Yeah. He, he's, he just don't want to go really thinner than that on this. Like, okay. All right. And so he just walked back there, got one, wrapped one up for me. We kept shopping. It was great. So I, I was, I was planning to go out there this Saturday before mother's day. And I, I got out and I was like, like I got out of the house and realized I had 18 other things to do and they were closing like 45 minutes. Like, well, I'm not going to make it today. Yeah. I just haven't been able to get back since. And it it was like a Saturday. It goes a little early on Saturday, but I think they have normal ish hours throughout the rest of the week, the rest of the week. But yeah, I was like the the day I was actually out of the house, meant to go over there. I was like, ah, I need to, I need some things for Mother's Day that I couldn't put off, and I couldn't make it out there in time. Why don't you just get some, get a bunch of meat for Mother's Day? Well, because I needed to pick up her her flowers. Oh, okay. And the my florist of choice is my sister in law, and she was like, I'm trying to pack up and head home like right now. I was like, I'm on my way, please. <laughs> Keep the door open. Yeah. Don't worry about sending a delivery driver out here. You don't need to do that. I'm already coming out of the house. So I went to go pick up her flowers and I was like, all right, I'm leaving the floor shop. It is 2.48. It is a 10 minute drive from the floor shop to all hell meets. I could make it, but I would be that guy. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy that walks in the door seconds before they're trying to close. But I do want to go. I want to, I, I got some things I want to go look at. I may also I may also see if they they'll do a, a bone in ribeye. That also sounds really good. I don't I don't I, much. I think they had some in the window. I don't I much care for like the tomahawk where you get like a foot long of bone. Like even if you just like, if it's the same size as the steak, just cut. There's I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, I want to wrap it up with one of the things I learned. And it's something they don't teach you. They don't tell you about when you have kids, Michael. I don't know if it's the same thing with you, like with one, because uh, it's certainly been compounding as as ours are getting older. But especially with our, our toddler, you can't get anything done, man. You, you just you just can't get anything done. You you try to clean, but somebody always needs you for something, and it's always an emergency. It, it needs to happen right now. If you do get a few seconds to clean. You turn around and they've completely undone everything you just did. Mm-hmm. Like you will clean their room and then you'll come out and like, okay, now I'm going to straighten up the, the living room. Now that all that's content, all the toys are out of here. And then you, you never find like, Oh, here's a book. It needs to go back to the room. You walk over to the room and the room is like an explosion went off. Like great. So glad mm-hmm. I just cleaned this up. Yes. And then you, you help them with that. And then just like, toys will slowly 
migrate out of the living room. It's like, this is not where your stuff belongs. And then that room's a mess. And you're like, well, now dishes are piling up. And I got to go, go deal with that. And then you turn around from doing dishes, like the living room's a, a disaster. And it's like, what do I do, man? <laughs> I, I'm sure somebody said battle, something. Especially with, with three. Well, I mean, one of well, them is not really making any messes right now, but the, the, except in her diaper. Well, sure. The how she contributes to it is she's most needy of our attention. Mm-hmm. Like we could put her down, but it's it's then a crap. She's like, okay, will she stay asleep? Will the boys let her sleep? Will she transition from our arm to the bassinet or to the crib or whatever to the couch with the with the little circular pillow that she. She's, she's a great, great baby. Super happy. Also want to keep her asleep when she's, when she's sleeping. Oh yes. Yes. That Anyways. goes with all of, all of them at all ages. That, that's what we've been learning. Cause we're, we're going, we're going out of town tomorrow and we're, we're having the, our builders warranty team. They're going to be working in our house tomorrow, like all, all day tomorrow and all day Friday. So we want to have it clean also because they're doing a lot of drywall work and like, put up as much stuff that won't be just be covered in drywall dust. And it's like, it's been a battle trying to clean up and get it ready and, and cleared off to clean it first. And then to keep it clean, it's like boys, like color play outside, do something. Cause the older ones is out of school now too. It's like, get off the switch, man, do something and entertain your brother. We need, we need you guys entertained somewhere else. So we can clean something or we can keep something clean. This is what I'm learning about kids as, 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 as the toddler is getting old enough that he just, he, he doesn't listen. He does whatever the heck he wants to do. Eight year old is nothing but sarcasm and snark and attitude. Like you're eight, man. (laughs) Anyways, tone it down. That'll do it. For us on the 23 Personal Podcast. I hope uh, I haven't dissuaded anybody from having a second or third child. It's doable. You just have to lower your standards for what's acceptable in terms of mess, cleanliness. At least for a while. Looking forward to the Gainesville Regional. I think Texas Tech can can do some damage. They got to have some things go their way. Um... Yeah, we'll see how it goes, and we'll get you into the offseason. Hopefully not this weekend, but soon. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.